specifically baseball here, but you know, a lot of kids kind of, um, you know, here, let me send you this video of me hitting three home runs in batting practice. And like, I promise you, and I know this for a fact, college coaches don't care. They don't care about that stuff. Yeah. There's different things that if you want to get a coach's attention, um, based on videos, like try this method. Making an athlete, a show about athletes, coaches, scouts, trainers, and the stories behind their careers and what it takes to build yours. Today, Mike Walker joins to talk about small town recruiting and his path to playing the World Baseball Classic against some of the top teams and top players in the world. Drafted by the Brewers in the 14th round of the 2010 Major League Baseball Draft after his senior season for the Pacific Tigers baseball team, Mike went on to reach AA for the Brewers and play for the Melbourne Aces of the Australian Baseball Professional League and for the Team Australia in the 2013 World Baseball Classic. Today, I'm joined with a good friend of mine, um, longtime buddy, Mike Walker, and we're going to be talking uh, baseball on this episode. We've talked about baseball a couple times, but um, this one's a little uh, more um, you know, home to me because me and Mike grew up together, um, but we're going to be talking about his uh, his, you know, I'm use the word journey, but his, you know, path to baseball and how uh, he got from being in Marysville, California, uh, to you know playing uh, at the highest level at the World Baseball Classic. So, Mike, appreciate you, appreciate you joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. All right. So, uh, how's everything going, man? Good, good. We're just uh, right around the corner from these vaccines. People started getting shot in the arm pretty recently. So there's a light at the end of the tunnel for everyone. That's nice. We're creeping up on Christmas here. I haven't done any Christmas shopping. <laughs> so still got to check that one off the list. Um, I, think, I think Amazon might good. have a few Doing more a lot days. of wedding planning. Yeah, well, I think Amazon and everything online is kind of out of the question now. I got to go. <laughs> Stop by some stores pretty quick, but it's just, I mean, it's a busy time. It's, um, I'm in sales now, so it's, uh, um, kind of crunch time for us. So we're heads down, just trying to finish, uh, finish out the year strong. And then, um, hopefully a little bit of break towards the holidays and, and going into the new year. All right. And so the, how you been? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, you know, I, I know we're both in similar industries now, um, in our, in our eight to five or, I hate saying eight to five because it seems like it's not, you know, just eight to five, but, uh, um, good. Uh, most nope. <laughs> round the clock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, more so for you probably cause you're in sales, but, um, you know, I'm on the marketing side, uh, but you know, going into next week, everyone's kind of, like you said, checking out, going on vacation. So this is a nice part of year. Everyone slows down and takes a minute kind of to refresh before going in the next year. Um, so I'm good. Uh, you know, got my, Seven month old, he's gonna have his first Christmas. Probably gonna get him, you know, zero presents because he's a seven month old and has no idea what Christmas is. So we're not worried about that. Um, Three year old daughter, that's growing so fast. Yeah, it goes it goes by quick, and especially in 2020, it seems this whole year blends together because um, because uh, of COVID and everything. Yeah. But uh, you got a you got a wedding coming up next year. Dude, I kind of got two weddings. We got a, so she's real Catholic. So we got to do, we're going to do the Catholic wedding first. We're going to do that in February and that's 40 some odd days away. And then, uh, that's just going to be small, both of our families. And then we're going to get the Catholic ceremony out of the way and do that. And then in uh, April, we're all heading down to Mexico. Um, and that's going to be the real kind of the ceremony and the, the party and, and, <laughs> it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a real good time. Looking forward. I got, I got the, uh, I got the invite on that one. I was, I think, an alternate, and um, you know, the other guys couldn't come through, so I made my way on the list. Um, Narrowly made the cut. Barely, barely. Um, but you know, it's gonna be a good time. I'm excited for you. So, congrats, congrats on that. Um, you know, 2021 is gonna be a whole whole new, uh, year for you. And, and, you know, not a new beginning, but a, a huge step, um, with, uh, your now fiance and, and soon to be wife. So congrats on that. Um, thank you. Let's, uh, let's take it back. Let's uh, start to dive a little bit more into, uh, your, your history and sports. Um, you know, baseball 
became your sport uh, as you went through uh, high school and the college and then on to professional after that. But, um, you know, talk about where you're from and, and, you know, as a kid, what sports did you play? Was it always baseball or did you play other sports? I mean, I know the answer, but, uh, you know, people out there listening, um, this is all about yeah, sure. learning, learning about that, uh, you know, that, that path to, you know, how you got to become a professional baseball player. So what'd you do as a kid? Yeah. Um, you know, I was never, my parents never subscribed to that, uh, idea that you only had to play one sport. And I know that's kind of a popular theory nowadays, and they just want you to focus on one sport, play it year round. And so that you get really, really good at it. And, uh, my parents never subscribed to that. I don't, uh, I personally don't believe in that at all. So, um, you know, growing up, I, I played them all really, um, kind of played football. I really only played for my senior year, um, but definitely played some basketball. I actually probably enjoyed playing basketball more, um, but I just wasn't talented enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I had a, a ton of fun playing basketball through high school, but there was no future there for me. Um, and baseball was really one that, um, you know, I really, really enjoyed baseball from a young, young age. So coming up, we, I grew up out in Loma Rico, which is just outside the Marysville, the town that probably everybody listening has never heard of. Um, it's a real small town, kind of 45 minutes north of Sacramento. And, um, you know, my dad was, was always, I have two very supportive parents and they were always supporting me. Um, they were always encouraging me and that was a big, big thing for me. Um, but yeah, so I started playing baseball from a very young age. Um, you know, I think that, I think that kind of cultivated and I got, I gained a lot of my skills from baseball from, from wiffle ball. Cause that's what I found myself doing a lot growing up. I mean, endless hours during the summertime or after school, just playing wiffle ball. And we got real deep into that. Where'd you play that wiffle ball that, I mean, you had a nice little setup at your house. Yeah, we did. So, so Loma Rica is kind of out in the country and my, I grew up on five acres and we were lucky enough to have this kind of big yard out in the back. And we would set up these elaborate, fields um, where we would set up the fences and foul poles and we would measure out the distances and like ride them on the fences about how far this fence is um so we had an awesome time just just kind of and, and we would literally play until you couldn't see anymore and when i think about it and how kind of i got good at baseball was just through that it was just endless hours of, of repetition um you know and that's the biggest thing that's the biggest thing that I kind of think about is like, you know, the passion was always there for me. It wasn't, my parents were supportive, but they were never the ones forcing me to do it. You know, it was always my choice. It was always me that wanted to do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, you know, and I played at that wiffle ball field and, and something I always remember, I think it was pretty friendly for right-handers. Mike's Mike's a left-handed hitter. And I think it was a, definitely a, a confidence booster. Um, varieties because it was a shorter shorter to left field so. yeah you guys had like a 50 foot fence out there yeah looking back i appreciate that now because uh you know probably the best way i could keep up to to you know you hitting um but you know i, I think you know a lot of times that we hear with a lot of the the guests we have on is that that passion part um and there's different unique visit you know unique uh situations and, and there's you know i've been a uh, an instructor for a baseball academy for a lot of times. And, and it's really that passion and, and a young um, athlete that really makes them want to be out there. It makes them want to be um, learning the next thing that's going to help them develop. And a lot of times, um, you know, the ones that have parents that you can see there's no passion for the kid, um, but the parents really trying to, you know, drive it down their throats that, you know, this is the choice you need to make. That's, there's a, there's a you know fall off um, in that area. Now it's not to say that as a parent you don't want to encourage and you don't want to push your kid, um, but there's limitations. There's you know there, there's there's parents who sit back and just let that kid you know build that passion. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that have had or adults athletes now that have had success from parents that push them. Um, so you know. You grew up in a small country town. Um, 
you know, at that time it was on the 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 borderline of year round sports. So we kind of, you know, I'm the same age. And so that was around the time that year round sports or, you know, you were dedicated to baseball or the travel team was happening more in the bigger cities. And then it started to trickle out um, to the country. But I still think that's when, you know, Legion, American Legion ball was, was um, prevalent. Um, but you're going into high school. You said you played a year of football. Um, I did the same thing except for it was freshman year. Wish I would have played all four years. You know, we always joke around with a good buddy of ours, Eric, that um, we wish we would have played longer. Like you said earlier, basketball was probably my most. I, basketball was the greatest, despite our team probably being like four and 20. Um, still enjoyed at least my team, not your team. You're a grade below, uh, but still went out there um, every day to uh, what's that song? Let's go and thought we were going to win the game. You just got pumped up. It was all about the pregame warm up. That was oh, when we were the coolest. And then as soon as the game started and we started getting blown out, we weren't that cool anymore. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But um, so you know, what did you do? And before you got to high school, you were for baseball. You know, you were playing. Were you just playing little league, or were you actually on travel teams? And what what were you doing? Yeah. So this was right around the time where. I mean, American Legion ball had always been around, but it was always kind of like, like foreign to me. Um, I didn't know much about it. So I, I grew up playing little league. Um, and that was my main source of baseball. I think probably going into high school. Yeah. Right around seventh, eighth grade was when I started playing American Legion ball. I would travel up the road about 45 minutes, um, to go play with that. So I would actually be playing on a couple different teams. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah, right around freshman year is when I started like getting pretty serious about baseball and realizing like, number one, I was, I was pretty like, it was clearly my best sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it was clearly the one I had the most potential in. Um, so it was really for me just about playing as much as I could finding different teams to play on, um, which was harder, you know, to do back then. I think now there's a bunch of different teams that, um, you can get involved in, um, yeah, so I think that's awesome. Your benchmark for like, how did you know? Hey, I'm I'm actually pretty good at baseball. Um, you know, what was you're from? Again, it's from Marysville, a small country town, and, and the talent pool. This is not to you know put Marysville or Yuba City down as it's going to be a lot smaller than you know greater metropolitan area. So, what was your benchmark where you're like, hey, I'm pretty good. I, I should I should pursue this. Uh, it's hard to say. I think you you kind of know, I just started, I mean, I was just being pretty successful. Um, and I would go out and, you know, it's funny, like you're okay. Maybe you're the best kid on your little league team, but you know, what does that really mean as a small sample size? But then I got to Marysville and I was still pretty good at Marysville. And then it's like, okay, well, let's go play for some of these travel teams. And, uh, um, you know, there's some talented kids on the travel teams too. The funny thing is, is like, I don't think I was ever the best kid on any of like any of those travel teams. Um, what I was, I was good, but I don't think that I was like the most talented. I was never fast. Um, I was always real skinny, you know? Um, so it's not like I could hit the ball incredibly far at the time when I was like 14, 15. Um, so, you know, there were kids that were stronger and kids that were faster, but I, I loved doing it. So I would put in the work and then, um, you start to realize like, you know, you just get in games and, um, you just start identifying like, Oh, okay. You know, that guy's pretty good. That guy's pretty good. But like, so, you know, so am I, and that goes a long way to just help kind of your confidence as well, especially when you start broadening and, and playing with other teams and you're like, Oh, you know, I'm just as good as those guys. I'm just as good as those guys. Um, so that it went a long ways. Okay. Um, in high school, uh, and you know, I keep harping on this, but it, it it's a unique situation, and I know it's still actually common because I've had, you know, people reach out who listen to podcasts. They live in like maybe Montana and the Dakotas, um, and they said, "Hey, like, just interested in you know, the recruiting's different for us up here. We're small towns. It's, you got graduating classes of fifty. A kid wants to get to the next level. Um, talk about like how." how did the recruiting process start for you at a, at a small town? Um, you know, if we, 
you know, my experience, if I saw a scout at our game, it's because they were watching someone on a, the team that was playing us, um, which is great for visibility. If they're watching someone, they might catch an eye. But what was it for you? How, how did that process start where you started getting recruited? Yeah, so um, this is like my biggest, I think there's a huge gap in the recruiting field right now. And I've always thought this. I've thought this ever since I was recruited. Um, so you're right, especially when you get to those smaller schools like a Marysville or, um, or any of those, like there's a point really north of Yuba city, um, in California where if nobody's going up there, it, scouts, college coaches, nobody, the, there's a point where people just like stop traveling. It's too far for them to go. You know, they can't make day trips up there. Um, unless there's like a legendary kid that's like, um, you know, just, just name is spread. But, um, yeah, I think there's a huge gap. So for me personally, the, the truth is, is I got really lucky. Um, I only played two years of varsity, which is, you know, I, I got, I'm upset about that still to this day, but, um, that those two years of varsity, we actually brought on a head coach named Steve Vernier and Steve Vernier happened to have a background in scouting. He was an area scout for the Braves. So he had a network already, um, and the thing about that was, is that he was, he literally coached at Marysville high school for two years and it happened to be my junior and senior year. So he realized that I had some potential to play at the next level. And he kind of knew what to look for and said, you know, and he, in the end, he just made a couple calls for me and said, Hey, um, Hey, you should take a look at this guy. And that's really all the coach can do. He can't, I don't see it. I've never seen it as the high school coach's job to actually sell you to a coach. I've always seen it as like, Hey, come take a look at a guy and decide for yourself. Um, it's really up to you to be recruited. Now, you know, having said all that, so, so the bottom line is, is that I got, I got lucky and I could have easily fallen through the cracks and I see that happen all the time. Yeah. I saw that as a player and I saw that as, as a coach in my coaching days. Um, and I think there's a huge gap there and I'm trying to figure out ways still to this day that that can be addressed because, um, you know, there is, like I said, there's a, there's a point where, um, it's just getting in front of coaches, getting in front of scouts and, and being around that. And like, I've been a, a, a coach on a division one team. Like I know what they do. A lot of the times UOP, for example, those coaches are, they're busy, you know, they want to go check out, um, they're, they're trying to see as many games as they can, but they also only have, they have limited time. So it's really like, okay, who can I see today? I yeah. can't go three hours North and then three hours South and then three hours West. It's, and so a lot of the times what it turns out to be is like, okay, I'm going to this high school that's 20 minutes down the road. I'm going to this one that's 40 minutes down the road and just what's in the local area. Um, so, I mean, what's the solution? You know, I, I don't know yet, but get in front of as many of the, find a way to get in front of those coaches as many times as possible, whether it's through, I mean, all of the coaches, whether it's UOP or like a more prestigious program, like a Stanford or a USC or whatever it may be like, they're all hold, they're always holding like um, free camps, free clinics, um, sometimes free practices. Sometimes they host, they have their own travel ball teams. Um, those are all things that, I mean, check out their website, look at the programs mm -hmm. that they have. Um, figure out a way to just go be around them because the big travesty to me, like even in at Marysville high school, when I looked around at the talent that we had at Marysville high school, just alone, I'm, I would look around at those guys and, and go, you're just as good as me. You're just as good as me. Like what, 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 and they ended up going and playing like Juco or maybe not even that, or just like being like, I, you know, this is not for me, but it was really because they weren't presented with an Avenue. So, um, it's, it's a hard part. And then the funny thing is, is then I got to UOP. So I got lucky. I get to UOP and then I'm looking around at my team on UOP and I'm looking around at some of the guys in that team. And I'm like, wait a second, this guy that I played with at Marysville high school is better than you. Huh. this guy, you know, like there's several guys like, and it, it's, it wasn't uncommon. And every team has guys like that where it's like, wait a second, why did, why are you, you know, and I don't mean to be rude and I'm not going to name any names, but it's like, well, you have no business being here. And, um, there's guys on my high school team who 
aren't playing baseball now that that are easily better or more talented than you. Um, they just didn't. They just weren't exposed to it. They were. They probably just. They just didn't have the same avenue or the same opportunities. That's and that's a big. I mean, it's a it's a a very true and fair point, and that's a big um, part of like even you know the whole mission behind bringing you know, making an athlete podcast is trying to be visibility into the different channels that you should approach. Um, so you know, I agreeing with what you say. You know, it's 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 not always. There's not like a, a quick answer to you know you're in a small town. It's like hey. You know, you're going to get the same visibility if you just keep doing the same thing that you're doing as as this guy in the metro, you know, the big metropolitan area. Um, but you got to go out there and get it. Sometimes you got to go out there and, and make it happen. And and that is where research happens. And you want to make sure that you're not just going to, you know, a camp that they're just, you know, you're paying money and it's it's kind of like a daycare camp. Um, but you want to make sure that there's, exactly there's exactly yeah there's there's someone there that they're watching you and, and trying to. Um, you know, see you for your skills. And, and, and then there is a, a realistic part. Like, you know, if you go to, uh, I'm going to choose a different school because I feel like I've said Stanford on a lot of different episodes, but let's say you go to an ASU, you know, phenomenal baseball team. Um, and you can't get disheartened that maybe a top 25, you know, baseball, collegiate baseball team doesn't want you. There's a lot of different opportunities at a lot of different um, colleges, whether it's D one, two, three, or NAIA, or even starting off on JUCO, um, and so it's it's just kind of doing that research and finding the ways that you can get more exposure. Um, so you get to University yeah. of Pacific. Um, you know, did you have any other schools coming for you? Was UOP the one that offered? Um, UOP school? was the only Division one school that I had that that offered me. So I had had an offer from Chico State, and then I had an offer from UOP. And I wanted to play D1 because I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And they had just built Klein Family Field, which was, I still to this day think it's one yep. of the best facilities on the West Coast. Um, you know, and the, the school itself is a great school. So it, you know, I, I think it was the right choice for me. Um, but having said that, you know, like, it's, it's just funny what you don't know as an 18 year old that you wish you did. Um, and my parents, they, they didn't have a ton of insight into the recruiting process. So I was going through this probably like many people listening, you know, for the first time, um, you know, if I could, if, when I have a kid, um, you know, I'm probably not going to send them to any of those that like Stanford, you know, the big name camps that you hear about, because, I'll tell you how recruiting goes from, from the inside. Um, it, what happens is, okay, there's a couple of those big showcase camps. Um, and there's a couple like, like the Stanford camps and then there's like the Southern California showcase and there's one out in Arizona and, um, all of your top prospects will be invited to those. And then you can like pay to go to those and they're pretty expensive. So, mm-hmm. you know, number one, if your parents don't have the money to do that, like it's, it's not a good avenue for you. But number two, um, you know, what happens in those situations is that a lot of coaches do go to that, but the best prospects from those are going to be picked off by the best schools. So really what's happening is say there's 200 people at 200, you know, kids going to one of those camps, the top 150 are going to be claimed already by like the top 25 schools. So on, uh, you know, and then the, the rest of the schools are kind of left fighting for, for those bottom ranked kids. But I never thought that was a good model, to be honest, because um, I, there's just too much. There's just too much unknown in high school, and like the reason I believe this so strongly is is honestly because of myself. Like, um, and I don't mean this to sound conceited, but you know, I was never on a top recruiting list. I was never. I had one one offer, um, but I had. But what I did have was like a, a passion to play baseball and skill to develop. So like, I think there's a recruiting strategy out there that's not really well employed. That is, Hey, let's go find, you know, quote unquote, the Mike walkers of the world, these kids in like these kind of off these, these smaller towns that never get seen before. They're going to be really raw because they probably haven't played a lot of super structured baseball before, like myself. Um, but, you know, give them a year or two in a program that actually develops you. And by your sophomore, junior, senior year, you're probably going to have a pretty good baseball player. Um, and I don't think that that's, I don't think that a lot of people do that. 
Um, and I think that they should. I honestly, if like if I was the head coach at UOP, that's exactly what I would do. I would go, okay, we're going to Yuba City, we're going to Chico, we're going to Marysville, we're going further up north, we're going to all because there are so many kids there that are they're so talented, but they just never get seen. And then because they never get seen, they just stop playing. They go to a junior college and they lose passion and they just kind of get discouraged. And then that's just the end of it. And to it's it's a shame to me because, um, you know, people talk about, uh, people don't give sports enough credit for being an avenue for a way, a way out, you know, or a way up. Um, and I, you know, it doesn't have to be like, your goal doesn't have to be to play professionally or to play in the big leagues. Just go and get school paid for, yeah. get, get a degree out of it, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish people would do that more. I wish there was a way, I think there are ways, honestly, for, um, kids to, um, get more exposure, especially nowadays with the internet. Um, there's these services and what I want to do, I'll give everybody my million dollar idea is I want to create a, a service that's very similar to like, a. it would be like Instagram or something for recruiting where it's literally just kids are coming, posting their pictures of their practices, um, and then, and then, you know, the schools can look at schools can look at those too. Um, schools can follow certain kids. Yeah. There's a lot of work you'd have to do around like the recruiting, right. You know, guidelines and stuff and not being able to message kids and stuff, but, um, just some sort of way to get those kids exposure. Um, so that a kid, so that a coach, you know, down South, maybe it's like a, a Cal Poly or a Santa Barbara that would have no idea who this kid from Chico, California is. Um, and you know, there's no reason for that. They would know who that is, but now all of a sudden they would have an avenue to actually see that kid. I think that that'd be an amazing idea. Cause it, it I mean, when a coach is looking, you know, it's a, there's the power of social media, power of instant or Instagram, power of internet today. Um, you know, where, you know, you, you can, as a coach, you're obviously you want to see someone live in a game, but you can still, you're there to see, their mechanics to see what kind of tools, you know, if they're a five tool player in baseball. So, um, you know, you can still at the very least get maybe like a 75, 80% idea of that kid. And then, um, you know, that's kind of like, it's like a sales funnel. Um, you know, it's, you get that high visibility. And then if you want to, you know, go see that kid deeper, then you can schedule a time to go see when he plays. And so it's, it's a, it's a first step process to, um, you know, eliminating the fact that, the coaching have to just travel everywhere to see you. Um, and honestly, something that if these small schools and, and, you know, I hate to just say it's the small schools, but schools in general, um, if they were able to bring that opportunity by having like, um, you know, some kind of streaming service, like for the games, just like, there's so easy to do nowadays, live stream your games. So easy. And so, know. you know, have a couple cameras, um, you know, that are, you know, focused on a hitter or focused on the field, the position, um, you know, it's easier said than done, but still, you know, but it's not that, it's not that much, it's not that much easier said than done. Like it's not that right. hard to do nowadays, to be right. honest, but bring that opportunity to your students, give them that Avenue to get more exposure. So that'd be, that'd be something cool if you could see something implemented like that. Um, and I, I know it's thing- unique cause it's 2020. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, I feel bad for these kids these days. Um, this year has been a tough year for sure. But the other thing I would say is um, the way that um, the way that I think the you know it's important to take a look at what college coaches are actually looking for when we talk. And I guess I'm speaking specifically baseball here, but you know a lot of kids kind of um, you know here, let me send you this video of me hitting three home runs in batting practice. And like, I promise you, and I know this for a fact, college coaches don't care. They don't care about that stuff. Yeah. There's different things that if you want to get a coach's attention, um, based on videos, like try this method, hit a, go take batting practice, hit a line drive to left field, hit a line drive to center field, hit a line drive to right field, do that three times in a row. Just go around it. Like that's bat control. That's barrel control. That's what they want to see. I promise you. Um, show them, show them your footwork on a ground ball. 
show them those are the things that they're like that that's the stuff that they're like okay that's a, there's a player this is a guy that i can i can work with um they don't care if you hit a ball i promise you they don't care if you hit a 55 mile an hour bp fastball over the fence it does not matter to them at all as an adult my best golf game is played at the driving range until i get onto the field or end of the course and then uh it's a whole different story so it's 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 the same you know yeah you know, I mean, it's same at the same time. You got to perform in a game, but um, you know, I, I'm not gonna. I can drive the ball for me 300, 350 yards, but oh, you're, so, you're awesome. You're the best. <laughs> I don't know if it's it, maybe um, straight on the driving range, but as soon as I get to the course, you know, it, it comes to control. I mean, if I'm doing analogies, um, you know, if I was on the golf course, I can show that I can. You know, do um, a draw or a hook or something with control, um, but that's not going to happen. And so, I think, yeah, what you say is is showing those, showing the tools, right? You're showing the actual tools. I mean, power is one of them, but you know, you, you're not going to get a scholarship on um, having one out of five tools. Maybe you will, but you know, again, 55 mile an hour BP fastball is different than even a 75 mile an hour 85 in a game if you want to be d1 you know better be able to hit an 85 to 90 mile an hour fastball yeah yeah it's different and you know another thing like stop chopping up your clips if you're a recruit like it's college coaches aren't stupid like if you show me five swings and it's clearly edited it's like how long did it take you i prompt the first thing we ask is uh, how long did it take you to do this? How long did it take you to get this five swing? Did you take a hundred swings and you just sent us five? Um, Cause like, that's not, that's not really showing me anything. So, so they just you know? stream it so, like just unbroken, like show you a hundred, like how stream it or just, or just show me a sequence of five. Give me your five, like make them in a row, you know, like that's something that's, that's a real skill right there. Like that shows barrel control. But if you ran into, you know, five balls, I don't really, it's not that impressive to me because I don't know. I don't know how many swings you took. Yeah, makes sense. Um, all right. So you're in college. You're playing at University of Pacific. What what's that experience like going from a, a I don't even know what division we were. Uh, Marysville D five, D three, D four. I'm gonna get um, burned by our buddy Eric for not knowing this. But um, you know, you go from that level of play where you're probably seeing, you know. 80 mile an hour fastballs tops, maybe another one every now and then to playing a division one level. What was that um, transition for you? Uh, it was a big jump. It was a big jump. I was recruited as a catcher and in high school at Marysville, I was actually catching your brother, Kalen and Kalen, you know, probably topped out at like 78, 80 miles an hour. Um, and I was a pretty me. good catcher in yeah. high school, but then I got to, um, then I was recruited to UOP division one college and as a catcher. And all of a sudden I'm catching like 92 with like sink and run and like sliders that actually slide. And, that and were, it's like, I, I was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. With, um, sliders that, that are probably yeah. the same speed as like the top fastball you saw. So, you know, 80, 80 something on our sliders, which, you know, <laughs> Was yeah. the same as an eighty mile. Yeah. So, so that was a transition that wasn't incredibly smooth. I actually moved off of catcher um, for a couple of reasons. Number one was um, we had two guys that were like borderline all Americans that were like other catchers on our team, in Joe Oliveira and Kurt Weideman. And so, you know, thankfully I could still hit a little bit as a left-handed six, four left-handed hitter. So it was like, you know, it was good enough for them to keep me around. But then, um, I was never going to see playing time as a catcher. Uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't even throw fingers the right way. You know, like when I'm trying to give signs, I would constantly get confused <laughs> and like forget what I called. Um, you know, I had only been, I had switched to catcher in high school. I was always a shortstop and, uh, I had switched my senior year. So I really, I got recruited after like six months of being a catcher. So like, the learning curve was steep, you know, like I just, it, it was a huge jump. So I, I'm not too hard on myself for that, but I ended up switching to third base um, and first base and becoming a corner, a corner guy, which was 
a ton of fun. I love, especially third base. Um, but yeah. And then, but kind of like what I said earlier, like I was super raw still, even just the program itself. It, I didn't have that sort of structure ever where we were going to wake up at 6 a.m. and go to weights for an hour and a half. And then we were going to go to class and then we were going to come back and you're probably going to hit in a cage for an hour. And then you're going to another class and then you're coming back for your afternoon practice, which is like three or four hours. Um, so you just lived, slept and like ate baseball. Um, and that was like, and I loved baseball coming in, but that was a huge adjustment, like just yeah. around the clock nonstop. Um, but you know, you kind of, and, and I think that weeds that weeds some kids out, you know, but like you, so you got to really love it if you're going to do it. But, um, you know, I loved it. And so finally, like I wasn't that great my freshman year. And then right around the second, right around like the second half of my sophomore year, finally kind of got an opportunity to crack the, uh, the starting lineup. And, um, and it just stuck. I just kind of, I, I just stuck at third base. And for the next two and a half years, I was the third baseman. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And, and that, and I was able, you know, I was lucky enough to, you know, I think I've talked about my story a couple of times on, on this podcast, but my junior year, which, uh, happened to align with Mike's junior year. I know we said I was a great ahead of him in high school, but I, I redshirted, um, Mike was a straight up four year player. And so we aligned and I got to play with them, um, junior and senior year. But, uh, during that time, I also got to watch, you know, you know, from a distance sophomore year that you're doing well, but I got to see up, you know, in person junior and senior year, and you were putting up, uh, good numbers and starting to get noticed, um, on the professional level by scouts. Um, and, you know, I know again, I, I were close friends, so I know kind of the, that path that you went through, but I know also your junior year had a really good year and you're going in thinking like, Hey, I'm going to get drafted this year. Um, and then had, you know, some of a small letdown and, um, you know, it, you know, we'll get to the point where it actually, it, it does work out for you after senior year. But what was that like when now, you know, you've, you've adjusted to the D one level, you're doing well at the D one level and you're starting to get noticed by professional scouts. What's, What's that process like? Um, it's kind of, I mean, it, it was like flattering. It was nice, you know, and it was also somewhat unexpected. Um, you know, I didn't get, I hit 346 my, my junior year. Um, but I was just too tall, too, I was too lanky, really. Um, I was like six, four, 185 pounds. I couldn't eat. I, I never had an appetite. I couldn't eat. And that was the biggest thing that they said, we just take another year, focus on putting some weight on and, you know, see what happens next year. Um, so, but the thing was, is like, I wasn't overly disappointed when I didn't get drafted my junior year. Cause I always, I, I don't know. I guess I just never put that expectation on myself. Okay. Um, so you know, I had, I had a couple scouts call me after the draft and go, Hey, you know, we wanted to take it, but we heard you actually wanted to stick around and play your senior year. And I was like, I don't know where that came from. I don't <laughs> know who told you that, but, um, whatever I'll, I'll come back. I mean, I'm enjoying college. I'm having a good well, time. Maybe, so. maybe someone wanted, uh, wanted you for their team a year longer. Um, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, I won't go into that, but, um, but no, that was essentially what happened. And so, yeah, I had a, I had a pretty good junior year. They told me, um, you know, just keep doing it and do it again, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, so that off season, I spent a ton of time in the gym. I spent about a month figuring out how to eat and, um, finally like just forcing food down my throat, I swear. And it was a painful month, but, um, and I, I changed I, it. When you say forcing, remember we did this together. Yeah, well, you did it more forcing food, and we did this together. But I would get one burrito at Chipotle, and uh, you know, Mike would get two, and he'd eat two of them, which is a, a task in itself. It's an accomplishment. Um, Not easy to do. No, I. Yeah, I mean, that's the only. I've only seen two people uh, in my life do that, and yours was for weight gain, and the other person's was for just uh, enjoyment. You know, shout out to Joey Rossi, um, but. Uh, yeah. So for Mike, I remember that time and they, you know, they came said, gain a little bit of weight and 
you did it. It was, you know, I, I guess it's a college dream to say, hey, like I get to, or, you know, looking back now as you're older, like I get to eat whatever and as much. Um, but yeah, I mean, you put on that gain, you put on that weight, gained it, and then you head into senior season. What what happens there? So senior season, I came in about 20 pounds heavier. Um, and, you know, I started really, I kind of was a different baseball player. It was just funny how uh, it kind of like, I wasn't as long and kind of loppy anymore. Like I, even like my athletic movements became a little bit better. Um, just from like gaining more money, which makes a lot of sense now. And that, like, I haven't really stopped working out in the, you know, 10 years or whatever it's been since college. What are you, and what are you squatting right now? Or would you deadlift? That's uh, what it was. No, I squatted. I put that, I put up 405, but that was a couple of months ago. I don't know if I could do that now. That's, that's a pretty but, good accomplishment for 30 years old and uh, working in a, a, a regular job. That's still pretty good. Well, I tell you what, man, like the, the habits that I instilled that summer was a big one. That's when I started taking weights really seriously. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, the difference just between showing up and actually showing up with like a purpose to the weight room. And then, you know, but the biggest difference was honestly, it was just diet. Like, and, and that's the thing. I think everybody knows that everybody's heard that a million times, but like you can work out as much as you want, but if you're not putting the right kind of food into you or not enough food in my case, um, it's not going to do anything. It's like 90% of the battle is just diet. And that's, that was the hurdle that I really had to overcome. And I couldn't eat. And then I finally for started force feeding myself. And then like, literally it was, sucked for like a month and then all of a sudden it's just it's like okay your body's used to this now and i can start eating and putting and i started putting on weight and then i started seeing results in the gym and my appetite has never really gone away like i've always just been able to eat like a normal person now um which so and and then on top of that like those just those those workout habits were just instilled in me too and now the, you know, the reason I work out now, it's, it's nice to be in shape, but like mostly I swear it's just mental health. Like these yeah. days it just get out, get your blood pumping. And, um, I mean, it's, it's just funny. Like, I mean, my brain just operates at it, like differently after I work out as opposed to before I work out. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I, uh, yeah. I mean, now if I go, not that I'm like an avid, you know, uh, gym goer, luckily for me, I have a pretty good gym in my, garage and i'm not you know trying to be the next um uh what is it what is the, the next uh, mr universe or olympia olympia um but it, yeah mentally you know especially when you sit down and like we work on computers a lot now and and you got to get out there and 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 keep moving um so senior year uh you know in baseball senior year is unique in that um you don't quite have as much leverage uh, when you're getting drafted as you do as a, you know, a junior where going back, you said, you know, the scouts heard that you wanted to go back for a year. Um, a lot of times when you're a junior, uh, you have that leverage. Um, if you're being considered for getting, uh, uh, drafted and you could say, well, I want to get drafted or, or I can go back and you're kind of having that conversation that allows like a higher draft pick, a high, you know, allows you to get more money. Um, senior year, um, you're kind of at the, it's it, you know, kind of, you are at the end of your college career and this is it. Um, other, you know, whether you get drafted, play indie ball or just hang them up. Um, so what was that, that last season like when, um, you've gained all this weight, you got more power, uh, more coordinated, and now you're trying to get to that next level of professional baseball. Um, you know, it was the same. I don't, I don't remember putting too much pressure on myself. I always just kind of believed it would work out. Like I put the weight on, um, you know, but I never, I never put too much pressure on. I, it's just like, you know, whatever happens happens kind of thing. Like, like, yeah, I really want it, but like, there's only so much that you can control. Um, you know, when I do look back I, more than anything, I just wanted to win, you know, and I wanted UOP has never made a regional and I wanted to get to a regional so badly. And, and we had the talent to do it that year. We were probably an arm or two short, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a few things I probably would have done differently. Like number one, 
you know, one of the things that scouts look at is like, how do you, how do you conduct yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember like, I would be hard on myself sometimes if I wasn't, if we weren't winning, if, if I wasn't doing well, you know, a couple of helmet throws here or there, like a couple of F bombs. And, you know, my advice to any kids who are listening to this is like, I didn't realize until I became a coach, how much, uh, coaches actually look at that. That is a big, like, that's a big deal to people. Um, I promise you. So like just the way, do you know how to handle failure, especially in baseball where you're failing seven out of 10 times? If you fail seven out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer in baseball. So figure out how to handle failure. Um, you know, figure out a way to like release that, that tension, you know, once it, once it builds up, cause we all go through rough stretches. And I promise you, I've heard coaches say this, that they're looking, they want to see how you do when you fail. They want to go see you on, at a bad game. Cause a lot of the times a, a scout or a coach will show up and within a couple of minutes, they'll go, okay, I, I see the potential in this kid. It doesn't take long for a coach to, to like for you to pass or fail the eye test, what they call it. But, um, but then they got to see kind of your intangibles, you know, like they want to see what kind of kid is this? Is he a good kid? Is he going to be coachable? Is he going to be kind of a head case and like flip out every time he isn't playing or every time he isn't, um, you know, like, like strikes out. Um, that's a big deal because for successful teams, like you gotta, I mean, there's a culture that goes with it. Right. Um, and that stuff takes away from that culture. That stuff is, it's, it's really not good. A hundred percent. Um, you know, and I, uh, I, you know, I agree with the, your hall of famer, you know, seven out of 10 times, if you fail uh, in baseball uh, as a hitter, um, cause you fail seven out of 10 times as a pitcher, you're not a pitcher and you're not playing, uh, you're not even on the team, probably even on the team. Um, so Mike, Mike ends up getting drafted, um, by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, was it 14th, 15th round, 17th? What was it? 14th round. 14th round is a senior. 14th round is a senior, which is a, a very uh, big accomplishment. It's still pretty high um, for a senior. And um, you now you go off and, you know, we'll spend a little bit of time on this. Um, and I'm obviously, you know, we try to be respectful. We, uh, with our guests on time and, and um, you know, there's always love to have follow-up conversations to talk about more, but um, I think, you know, you moved on to your professional career um, and still want to go and talk about, we've, we've talked a lot about what it was making that transition, you know, from um, to high school to college. And now you're making a transition to the professional level. What was that like? Um, it was hard again. Uh, you know, just, I think it was all the, the off the field stuff that you're not, really ready for like you know i drafted as uh 14th round senior um it's basically like the offer is it's here take it or leave it like you know you don't have any leverage like you said so here's your plane ticket you know sign here if you want it and i did and so um that sent me to helena montana which is rookie ball um and, you know, that was a whole adventure in itself. I think I started off my professional career, like one for 30, like one for 30 or something like that. So right. it just wasn't, um, which is actually not uncommon, you know, it's just, it, it does more to like, like if you can make it past those kind of humps, like that's a big deal. Um, but it's just kind of getting comfortable. Uh, the talent level is a lot higher, like immediate, it's, it's funny to see, um, you know, you get to the next level and even at rookie ball, which is the bottom of the minor league scale, like everybody's talented. Everybody's got plus tools. Um, so you're looking around going like, what makes me different than any of these guys? And just trying to figure that out. Um, you're away from home. You know, I was staying with the host family that like we lived in a, a, a trailer park and I was sharing a room in a trailer with my, with one of my teammates. Um, so like just figuring out like what that life is like, you know, is an adjustment. Um, but then ended up kind of getting, getting hot towards the, the middle of the season. Um, yeah, but the, the jump was big, but then really what happens is, um, 
once you get to double A, that's really where you start seeing like, oh, okay, now that's a whole nother jump in, in like talent. Um, and it's pretty incredible because now all of a sudden you're seeing like literally 95 to 90. Like if you see a guy throwing 98, it's not uncommon. You're like, okay, it's, it's Tuesday, you know, like it's not a big deal. Um, but you start seeing that day in and day out and sliders that are just unreal. And, you know, my biggest issue was the changeup. I was a left-handed hitter and I could just never identify changeups. And they just, you know, finally you get to double A and that scouting report gets out. And just seeing a steady diet of changeups for basically an entire season, <laughs> um, and that was kind of that was kind of my you know my downfall in the end. All right, and and you know you see your downfall in the end, but you know for for a minor leaguer, you you know you really did actually have a there. Obviously, people know like making the majors. That's the you know making it, and um, but you you played up until Double A. You made it all the way to Double A, which is. Um, a lot more than, you know, a, a lot of minor leaguers do. And so, um, what town, what town was the Brewers double A? What was the team? We were in Huntsville, Alabama, Huntsville, Alabama. So, um, got the double A level. Um, and right around that same time, you know, brought you a unique opportunity. Um, um, you know, Mike's mom is, uh, is from Australia. And so Mike has dual citizenship, um, in the United States and in Australia, and so you had a, a unique opportunity to play in the World Baseball Classic for Australia, right? Yep, yep. Played in the World Baseball Classic, and I played in the uh, opening day series for the Australian national team. So it was um, that was one of the funnest things I think I've ever done. They would fly us out. We flew to South Korea um, and played for. Well, first we flew to Japan to play like exhibition series against Japan. Um, and then we flew to South Korea um, where we actually played um, the world baseball classic. And that was like pool D or something, but um, awesome experience. We were actually in the same group as the Netherlands who actually went on to the, um, the finals that year. Yeah. So we got to see, and they were loaded with talent. That was when uh, um, Kenley Jansen was a catcher. He was a catcher for that team. And uh-huh. then that this was before he made his, transition to to closer but um elvis andrus uh andrew jones was on that team um jerickson profar was on that team i mean there was just a bunch of it was just like at the end at the time it was like they were up and coming so you knew them but like looking back at it that team was absolutely yeah. loaded they're bright orange jerseys um yeah yeah so i mean you got you i mean Mike actually has, you know, when he said he played the, um, you played the Dodgers in the in the first official Major League Baseball. You actually have the first official hit in all of Australia for Major League Baseball um, <laughs> from that game, and um, you also got thrown out by about you know thirty feet by Yasiel Puig, um, <laughs> and it's I mean somewhere out there on YouTube, um, but uh, actually both of them are your hit and and the throw, but. Um, you know, you played, you got to play at that. I mean, that's really the world baseball classic. Uh, it is at the top level. You, you play Japan. Who's, you know, are they've won a couple of times or one or two times. Um, I don't know who else was in your pool, but obviously the Dutch, the Netherlands went I, in the Taiwan, Taiwan, um, South Korea, South Korea is phenomenal uh, baseball. Um, yep. so, you know, at the, the world's highest level, which is a really, really cool experience. And, and, you know, bring this up is because, you know, baseball and other sports is really an avenue for opportunity um, to see the world, to um, find, you know, just different kinds of opportunities through playing a game, whether it's getting your college scholarship, it's getting, you know, drafted, uh, playing professionally or, or just getting to see the world. Mike continued on playing in the, the Australian baseball league, which is the, the um, professional, you know, MLB of Australia, which is, you know, finding it's, ever growing and i think um who is their most yeah they're doing some things over there yeah i think manny ramirez is playing there right now i mean obviously he's on the tail end of his career but there's also um uh who is the rookie young guy i think the braves right that uh, uh ronald acuna yeah oh. I, I played with acuna a couple yeah. Of years ago yeah so acuna played early on in his career and now obviously he's killing it in the major league baseball so really cool opportunity um you know that that sports bring baseball brought Mike. 
Um, you know, as we go into this tell in, uh, open ended question, and you got a few more minutes. You, yeah, I okay. got, I got some time. All right. Um, you know, last thing, I'll do a little speed round here. Always do it with every guest, but um, open ended question. It's more of a reflection for you if you can, and you're a coach uh, as well. But if you can look back and offer, you know, your biggest piece of advice for um, a young student athlete that's trying to, whether they're trying to be a baseball player or a different uh, sport, what what would it be? Get in front of as many coaches as you can, however you can. Um, make them just know your name, you know, the, the amount of people that were not top prospects that were never ranked by any, anybody that just kept showing up to the free practices, to the free camps, um, you know, and that ended up getting signed uh, just purely based off of exposure and the amount of time it's like, okay, that coach knows who you are now. Um, and then pretty soon, like, you know, there is a, a ton of colleges out there. So, um, there's a fit for you, but if you, so if you want it, if you really do love it, I know it sounds cliche, but just, just keep showing up and, you know, putting the work in and, um, you know, somebody at some point is going to to see you, but you gotta, you know, create those good habits, be coachable, um, but just, just show up. Yeah. All right. Um, three quick questions, speed round, um, favorite player of all time. Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent. All right. Second baseman, he was the unsung hero for the Giants. He was the unsung hero. Uh, Barry Bonds always got all the the pub. Um, Plus, he had a mustache that always reminded me of my dad. Um, But he was just a—he was just so good, man. Yeah, just yeah, and and just kind of like he was the only guy that would stand up to Barry Bonds too, because Bonds is kind of this prima donna, and (laughs) Kent was like, whatever, I don't care. And they would get into shoving matches, and like I just loved it. That's awesome. Favorite uh, professional sports uh, moment that you you got not to see, not necessarily in person, um, but like your favorite sports team and a moment that you remember um, watching as a spectator. Um, I mean, when I was real young, I think it was the first game that I ever went to. It was at Candlestick, the old Candlestick Park. Might have been called Three Con by then. But I remember showing up with my dad. It was just me and my dad. We drove three hours down to San Francisco. And then uh, we were standing there. We got there early enough to get autographs. And the way they did it was every day they would just have one person give an autograph. And there would just be this long line. And I remember the usher, as we're getting in, it's like two hours before the game. He's like, oh, it's somebody big today. It's going to be a, it's going to be a big name today. And I was like, okay, cool. And then it turned out to be Barry Bonds huh. and I ended up getting there and, and it turned out and, and me and my dad got Barry Bonds' autograph and it was like the coolest, it was the coolest day ever. Wow. All right. I didn't know that. And I got to go, go visit your parents' house and uh, see where those try to find them. Um, yeah. Uh, biggest uh, moment in your career that you personally got to, that you personally got to experience and that you remember the most, like it was your moment. That's always the one you'll go back to. And you, you think about your, um, baseball, um, history. I just, I mean, it's tough. Uh, I remember, I mean, it's tough to beat the opening day series. Um, and just getting like just a single in the center field. Um, you know, that like off of, I think it was Alex Wood uh, of the Dodgers. Cause we were playing the Dodgers over and they, they transformed the Sydney cricket grounds, which is like the Yankee stadium of Australia. And it's for cricket. And they, they rebuilt, they basically transformed it into a baseball stadium for three days. And uh, we hadn't gotten hit yet. I came up in the bottom of the second inning and I poked a single out in the center field. And that was our first hit of the day. Yeah. Um, so that was a real, that was cool. That was awesome. Just standing on first base and like kind of looking at the crowd and being like, whoa, like this is, this is pretty neat. This is neat. That's awesome. All right, Mike, I appreciate uh, you taking time. Obviously, um, you know, this, this is, is, you know, more special to me just because of our history. We're uh, still good friends. Um, baseball made us, you know, really brought us together actually as good friends. You, me, Logan, um, and so I appreciate you taking time and talking about your experience and, and hopefully 
um, guests out there can take some, you know, really important things away from this and apply it to their their future. If you're a parent, apply it to your kid's future and trying to be a student athlete. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Making an Athlete podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor. Check us out at makinganathlete.com. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to catch our next episode.